Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. We are back. It is Tuesday, May 12, 2020, and you're welcome to Corner to Corner. I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. Welcome to our lucky number 13 episode. Yeah, you know, so this is an interesting thing. I was talking to different people about this. I have actually stopped numbering a lot of my episodes because I found that numbering. Oops. Go on. Sorry. I was a doofus I... and forgot to turn the sound off on my computer. I, I, I found that numbering podcasts uh, is a problem or numbering anything, right? Because oh, really? Well, what happens is is you'll come in, you'll be like, ooh, I'm interested. Oh, this is 266. Uh, uh, I haven't watched since one, which is why a lot of podcasts and stuff have done season one, season two. But I don't think even that helps because that, to me, on a personal level, it's even worse. If someone says, hey, watch this TV show season six, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen the first season. You know, I feel, um, like, I feel like we have talked about this very topic related to comic books on an earlier episode. The uh, age old, just renumber everything starting with one whenever you want people to come in or adhere to the, you know, four, 652 is the current episode. And if you don't like it, too bad. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know what the, so I found that I've, for a lot of things, I've just named I've just named them, like, example, the corner to corners here. I name them after the mechanism that we're about to talk about. And yep. that way, and later on, you can find it out. But 100%, any series I've ever done, the first video is watched more than all the rest. Always. Especially if I say part one, part two, part three, whatever. Unless it's a top 100 countdown, then the 10 through one gets, you know, a huge <laughs> yeah. amount. But it's yeah, a really weird, that in the middle dip. And it's not just that. Anything. Like, I saw... John Krasinski does his Good News Network on YouTube, yep. which I really like. Mm -hmm. And his first episode had way more views than the second, which had more views than the third, because that's just how things work. Yep. So Nobody likes the second act. Give me the intro. Give me the outro. Everything else is filler. By the way, quick buzz for those watching. If you can tell me who's louder, me or Rado, I'll fix it to make one of us quieter. Um, usually, it, Sometimes it's – well, it's usually me. You don't control my volume. I'll be as loud as I want to be. What the? <laughs> I was unaware that you were twiddling knobs behind my back. Why? <laughs> Why? I muted you for a moment there. Yep, the old mute. Did he? Did you? The power of the control. Oh, All righty, yeah. folks. <laughs> All righty. Well, first of all, before we get started, we need to figure out what game is in front of Mr. Rado there. I don't recognize it. It's definitely a Euro. Has to be. Yep. Z covered it for you. And it came out, I was surprised, a couple of years ago, but they only recently sent me a copy. I like it a lot. Well, that's actually so not narrowed hanging? down. All right. Boop. Uh, Small tilt it just a bit. Island. Oh. oh. This is really right. nice. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. I think it came in and out. Yeah. Um, it's very sharp. Actually, the coolest thing about it is the standard way you play, everybody, every round gets some of these, uh, you know, secret objective cards for how they're trying to build to score at the end of a round. But if you play the advanced version, instead of everybody getting one of these, they get multiples of these and they can build their own objectives. Which is very, very cool. I like it a lot. You know, trying to mix and match these based on the way the uh, the islands have evolved. Like, oh, well, actually, oh, this is terrible. I'm tossing this one out and making an objective out of these two things. Make your own objective is a very cool idea that I don't think I've seen in any other game. Well, that's cool. Well, it looks yeah. good. All right, folks, we're done. Today is the last mechanism for A. So Hooray! We're gonna... I don't even know what that and means. And you wanted to drag A out by doing week after week. Here's another auction mechanism that well, we'll talk about. I wanted about. to. I, I agreed with you quite readily. Um, okay. 
Nah, it's fine. I think aux- it's, it would be weird to be. I think people would have, after four weeks, they would have been like, auction again. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> I don't need to put this on my must-watch list anymore. Maybe I'll come back in six months. <laughs> All righty. So we'll start here with... Today is a weirdly named one. I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's called Automatic Resource Growth. Yeah. And so in this one, in this Rosenberg <clears throat> mechanism, <laughs> since the first <laughs> five games here are his, yep. um, resources held by a player will automatically grow over time. For example, the Gricola, two or more animals that are not eaten will produce an offspring. And I know this is the case because I was just playing Lahav yesterday. And that's how that works, right? If you have two or more cows, you get another cow. If you have one or more grain, you get another grain. Yeah, this is incredibly common. They could have just called this livestock. I mean, because that's pretty much what almost all of their examples are. I'm trying to remember. What is it it in Nations? Was it? It is not. I saw that, and I went back and double-checked. That is incorrect, and if somebody would like to step up and edit it, because I don't need to get all the geek gold here. In nations, <laughs> you at the end of a round, your your you know your different things you've invested in your nation do automatically generate stuff for you, but only if you put workers on those cards, which implicitly means it's not automatic. It's effectively a form of worker placement. Hey, the more people I have on this card, the more food or gold or whatever will automatically generate for me at the end of a round. There is, I mean, I don't know, I haven't played it for a few years, but I love that game. And I don't recall, maybe there's some weird little esoteric card that will automatically generate things without player input, but no, you have to run that engine. It doesn't run itself. Unlike, you know, sheep in Agricola or any of a dozen other farming simulations that you might want to call out. There might be an offshoot of this with money. I'm trying to think. There are always some games, if you have money, you get interest. Railways of the world, um, Railroad Tycoon, because as you work your way up the the victory point track, once you cross certain thresholds, you are going to automatically make money every round doing absolutely nothing. Because, you know, it's a virtual, or it's it's a symbolic representation of, hey, I've invested so much in my infrastructure, it's just going to produce for me every round no matter what. Sure, but that's not based on the resources you already have. It's based on where you are on the board. Right, but where I'm at on the board is based on the resources I previously gotten because, I mean, you're right, in Agricola, I actually see the little sheep that will get together and make a baby sheep. It's abstracted away a bit in you know these, rail, these Martin Wallacey type games because, well, I earned the stuff. I've therefore made it up this far. I don't see the stuff because it's kind of virtualized, but because I have that much, I'm automatically generating more. I am really struggling now and trying to think of games that fit this category that aren't a Rosenberg game, really, because, again, like you said, (laughs) it's livestock or in the case of Lahav, it's uh, there's also grain. Feast for Odin does it really slowly. Like (laughs) you get pregnant. And then next turn you have the calf. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, uh, I'm going to just use this cow. Sorry. <laughs> it's really, I, you have to like have some self-control to get baby animals in Feast for Odin because you want to stick those parent animals on that board. Yep. Uh, yep, yep. Oh, ooh, that, that's a good one. Mihail says Res Arcana and Empires of the North both have cards that produce resources based on resources already on the card. That is true. Empires of the okay, North definitely yeah. has it. And Res Arcana, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it sure sounds like a card that would be in that game. Yep. No, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, you're right. The Empires of the North. I really like that game, too, except it's a Ooh, big cutthroat. And Viticulture, the residual track. You're right. I forgot about the residual track in Viticulture. You get oh my some gosh. stuff based Jeez. on that. Yeah. So Man. anybody who's watching wants to get some free <laughs> geek gold. Um, At the end and, of this, and, like in 2022... When they go to these Beckett as a page, there better be like a footnote. Thanks to quarter to quarter for fixing this. <laughs> Yo, know, when I saw this and I, I looked this morning before we got on, it, the main thing that popped in my head because of this, besides the fact that no, Nations is not, um, is I, I went and checked. There is no entry as a mechanism for engine building. And to me, the I mean, basically what this is, is kind of like a self-contained engine that runs automatically. In most engine building games, hey, I put all these cards together and I've done this so that when I push the go button, 
things will happen. You know, cogs will turn and I put stuff in and other stuff will come out. And I'm shocked that there wasn't one before Jeff came along and there's not an engine building after. And to me, that's one of my favorite gameplay mechanisms. And, you know, if you have pool building, which is the idea of, hey, put all this stuff together to be able to do things. Why is engine building not on this mechanisms list? I feel like engine building might be like saying card game, though. Uh, if you have it's hand just too broad. Hand management. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not Jeff's defender here. I feel. <laughs> I feel like. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. You are not responsible. I. I'll tell you, you what. Shake though. our fists at the universe, or Talk, Jeff, or Scott. All talking I about this mechanism, I wouldn't mind seeing it in more games because it's fun. I For was just thinking about other. this last night. I have a bunch of resources. In this case, they're cows, but it could be anything, yep. right? I have yeah, a bunch yeah, yeah. of resources. I'm sitting there going, I could spend these and use them, but if I don't, they'll grow. So yes. how much do I want to let it do that? And it's a, it's a nice way to kind of build your tension, and you ha you're second-guessing yourself. Do I use something now, or do I save it for later? And I really like that mechanism a lot. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, that's, that's a perfect use for money as well. Money makes money. If I just keep this money around, it will compound on its own. There's but not I a need lot to of games spend that... this money right now to buy whatever I need. You know? There isn't a lot of games that deal with interest, actually. Yeah. I mean, part, of the, part of the problem is that interest is a percentage, and that's always problematic. Because sure. it, it, you need it to be kind of fast and easy. I mean, how many times in life has everyone played Monopoly, and we had a great time until someone landed on that spot, that says pay this much money or a percentage of everything you own. And then there's the <laughs> argument. And then you get out a calculator and figure it out. <laughs> and it's, it's because percentages can be a pain in the neck. Yeah. If I make even, – even if you round up and say 25% interest, which is pretty high anyway, right? If you made that much, <laughs> that's still not going to work every time. Um, yeah. I agree. Oh. Uh, I, think, I think it is cool and – it does not have to, as you say, it does not have to be limited to animal husbandry, which is pretty much where it appears. I mean, it's a no-brainer because, of course, uh, it, it just thematically makes sense. Although, speaking of thematically making sense, what is up with Agricola? I've got six sheep. Now I have seven. Why don't I have nine? I think Come on, that, Juve. Yeah, but 100%, not... that's because you could break the game otherwise. Oh, sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> The game supports it. If you make that pasture and you put multiple um, sheds in there, hey, you can have 64 in one space no, if no, you no, want. No. It, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that there would be no reason to not do that strategy then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every time I explain Agricola or Lahav or any of these things, I'm like, yep, two of the cows decided <laughs> to have a good day. The rest, nope. Yep. That's uh, I guess that's uh, the law of nature, survival of the fittest. Only one. I mean, I mean, what's going on on these farms? What epic battles are happening between all the male sheep? I don't know. Um, there's something that could potentially be covered in an expansion somewhere. <laughs> down one of the comments says, "Mommy, where do babies come from? Automatic resource growth, child." <laughs> that I like. Alrighty. Well, that's the last A mechanism. We got some interesting okay. stuff coming up. But for now, it's time for you to start giving us topics for the top five. All righty. Well, I think it's a uh, board game week, I think. Yes, yes. On your channel, it's all board games. Well, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a totally I, arbitrary rule that we just kind of spontaneously evolved into. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not all board games all the time. There's a lot of people complain that we talk about food too much on the channel. <laughs> um, but that is what it is. All right, folks. Well, if you have a top five topics. Oh, there we go. Ooh, that's a good one. Here we'll they come. That one. Here they all right. All right. I like that one. Um, <laughs> uh oh, Yikes. no, there's just, there's like one that says, uh, kitchen appliance. <laughs> <laughs> I know what my number one for that is. If they want to come back on Friday, I might I might pick that one specifically five. so I can talk about my number one. Not Friday, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Oh yeah, next Tuesday. You're right, of course. <laughs> Once a week now. I miss you um, on Fridays, Tom. It's just not the same. There's an empty hole in my calendar. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh ooh, okay. 
Um, all right. All right. Oh, oh, that's going to be interesting. All right. Wow. <clears throat> oh, an embarrassment of riches, apparently. All right, I got them, folks. You can stop giving topics. Here we go. All right, top ten, or top five, sorry. Top five yes. <laughs> table hog games. Ooh. Takes up a ton of the t- room on a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top ten game title fonts. Like, you like <sighs> how the, the title looks? Okay. The top five coolest dice in games. And the top five things we've learned from board gaming. Jeez. <laughs> Those are hard. Font. Table hog. Life lessons. And what was the other one? Coolest dice in games. Coolest dice. Man. If, if I choose coolest dice, I'll just have to sit back for an hour while you just pontificate. Since that's kind of your jam. Maybe uh, I would have to really think about it because yeah, there's so many. They're, they're all the same to me. Um, well, I like Havsy's dice. Shout out to John Rock. Dices. Havsy's dice are awesome. Dice's, they um, look the same. You know, honestly, the one that speaks to me most is going to be uh, Table Hogs. All right. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. Table Hogs. Yeah, because I was just thinking about this and I'll, I'll throw this game out there, although I don't know when you played it. Um, Last, but me and Mike Delicia were just talking about it. Fantastic game. Just came out. It's about to go on Kickstarter again, and that would be monumental. Oh, yeah. I have not played it. It will be covered on my channel soon, but not by folks that people might expect. So that's exciting. As a uh, dropping a hint for the future of Rado Runs Through. Um, No, I haven't played it yet. Is it good? Well, sure, but I, I won't put it on. I'm, I don't feel that strongly about it. I think we should agree on these at least. That way we can yeah. come across. Okay, All right. Okay. Well, then let's go with the obvious of obviousnesses, and that would be Gloomhaven. Mm. Gloomhaven takes up a lot of room on the table. It does, but it's all modular stuff, and you can squeeze it and mold it to fit your circumstance. To me, a table hog starts with just a monstrosity of a board. That takes up half the table, and now okay, now we got to squeeze in around this thing. That's I don't true. think okay. I've ever well, had a have, problem with the size we, and scope of uh, Gloomhaven. In all honesty, if we do put everything back in the box, problem games, Gloomhaven has to be on that list. Okay. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. that's uh, that'd be running for number one, definitely. Um, I'm gonna veto that. Okay, no worries. I'm, I'm all chill again. <laughs> one of these days, <laughs> I won't be chill, and then I'll be like, run your face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, this is really about gigantic boards. And the first one that pops into my head is, uh, um, oh, 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 it was... It's magic, you know. It, uh, it, it's, it's a Lord of the Rings game, um, Quest for the Ring. The game board that is so big, it is literally two boards that you have to snap together. It's ridiculous how big that is. Um, and it's it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. You really do feel like Middle Earth has completely consumed your table. Wait, this but, is quest. Uh, are you, is this Hunt for the Ring? No, um, no, that's the new uh, hidden movement game. Isn't it Quest for the Ring? Oh, is this no, an I old game? Is this the one from it like 1981? No, oh. not that. Lord of the Rings. Do you mean War of the Ring? Although no, but that's a good one too. Okay, it's not Quest for the Ring. Oh gosh, darn it! I filmed this. All right. Well, if I can't think of the name of it... Journeys in Middle it's, Earth. It's, it's the one where one player plays Sauron. You can have up to four heroes running around. Hunt for the Ring. Uh, what was it? Isn't it Hunt for the Ring from Ares? No, that's... Is it? Isn't Hunt for the Ring the new one? Hunt I haven't the... played it. I don't know which one we're talking about. Um, uh, yeah, Hunt for the Ring is the new hidden movement one. Come on, somebody in the chat must know this. All right, so explain the game again. It's a, it's a, it's a War of the Rings game, obviously. Yeah, it's it's a Lord of the Rings game. It's um one player is Sauron. They are um you know putting things out on the board that kind of spreads and you know and that's their goal. They're trying to pursue their goal and the heroes are running around trying to stop the spread of that and complete their own objectives. It always ends in an Oh, epic Middle Earth Quest. Huh? That's Middle Earth Quest. Quest. Middle I believe Earth I've already Quest. said that yes. once, but all right. Yeah. Not Quest of the Ring, but the other way around. Middle Earth Quest is ridiculous. Man, it's been so long since I played Middle Earth Quest. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, that is a game that Jen and I loved, and I got rid of it because of its table hoggedness. We just huh. couldn't play it. Is it... Is it more than War of the Ring? I'll have to look at it now. That's a good question. I mean, War of the Ring also It was a huge like, board. I remember that. Hmm. Yeah, because it is literally... Middle-Earth Quest is two full-sized game boards that, are, that would be big enough on their own to be, oh, that's a pretty big board, and you basically lay them next to each other on the table. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll write it down as a possibility. Yeah. Yep, I mean, the only question is, is War of the Ring bigger? Which I cannot speak to, although I'm sure there's probably something. Well, I'm not so worried about the board. See, the board's one thing. If you get the board there, you know, and if you can fit the board on the table, but then sometimes these games also then have a bunch of other stuff to put around them. And I don't know that either one of these does. So, like, for example, Arkham Horror, the board's not that big. But once you're done setting up all the decks of cards, (laughs) Firefly's the same way. You know, the some people are mentioning these in the comments. Firefly has that one board, and then there's decks of cards all over the place. Yep. Um, Twilight Imperium, yes, obviously. Oh, um, Tracurian does the same thing. It's got a decent side board, but then every player has their own personal board that's almost the size of a game board, and you can make your personal boards bigger, not by just putting a little thing on, but putting like another thing that that almost increases That's the size of your true. board by 30%, and then you can put another one on if you get additional assistance. Listen, I it's will straight insane. up I will straight up agree with you on Tricarian. I'll just put that on the list. That that's, yeah, okay. Even though I'm not a big total. fan of the game, I think that that's a reasonable... That is a table hog and a half. Yeah. Another game yeah. I'm finding to be a table hog, I don't know if you played the new Dominations. No. Well, actually, I, I played it at a convention. I thought that that's the, uh, that's the Triomino one, right? Triangular Dominoes? Yes. Yeah, I'm really excited about that, but I haven't played the final. Does it get crazy? There's a lot of space because you have the area where you're building the map, and then you have the decks of cards, and then you have your own card tableau in front of you. Um, let's see. People in the chat are giving us suggestions here. Glenmore 2, maybe? I'm trying to think. Glenmore has the the main board. Well, it has that new sideboard with, with you know the, the landscape. I don't think Glenmore 2 is that, that big. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a bit. Maybe at a full player count with everybody making their own little thieves. Maybe. Ooh, what about Anachrony? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of what Mind Clash, that's their jam. Right. Okay, we'll just put Mind Clash. <laughs> <laughs> the previous three Mind Clash and the next two Mind Clash games, whatever they are. are I was talking to David. I said, why on earth are you guys making another expansion? How, where's the room for that going to be? And he just was like laughing at me as I asked him. <laughs> I, yep. I really like Anachrony a lot, but whew, put it, you're right. That's a lot putting that one out there. I'll write that down as a possibility. Okay. I, um, I mean, I, I would, I would be inclined to agree with that one. That is a good one. Definitely. Um, let's see. Someone mentioned, well, people are saying silly things like the North Africa, but we've never played that one. I, at least I have. Yeah. Let's let's say mainstream modern designer games as opposed to, you know, I mean we got it because we narrow, we have to narrow it down a little bit. Um, although since I threw out Middle Earth Quest, I feel like I should also throw out the uh, Railways of the World because that's another game where hey, you put two ginormous boards next to each other. Although you don't well, have to, do you? You can. I'm trying to remember now. Right. Okay. So you play Railways of the World. You get the Eastern yeah. board. You can get Railways of the Pacific, uh, and then. The Pacific, and then you could put both boards together, which and is play amazing. With one mega thing. I don't know. I've never played that. It yeah. sounds cool, but it also sounds <laughs> big. It's like I used to like playing Axis and Allies. I don't play it anymore. I went to a con one time, and people were playing Axis and Allies, where there was two games and then a big screen in between them, and they were playing double blind moves, right? So that oh wow, one guy one guy's the moderator and doing stuff, and that sounds amazing. But it also sounds like a thing you would only do at a con, and that's how I feel about railways. Of the world where you connect the two boards. HeroScape, yeah, yeah. for sure, because that takes up, well, the room. Ooh, Sorcerer City. That's a good choice. That's Have the you played uh, Sorcerer City? Tileland game? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good game. I liked it a lot. I didn't play yes. the final, but I did play the prototype. But see, you've and only played it with two players. Tiles, and you, you play a lot of them. Right, and when you play with more than two... I don't even know how you can play with five. I don't know how. It goes up to six. I'm not sure how that's even possible. 
because you have the market of tiles in the middle, which takes up a ton of space, and then each yep. person is building their own whole Carcassonne type thing. Um, so, yep. anyway, side doesn't a take up one. too much um, space, in my opinion. You yeah, just well, that, have the board. Actually, if I recall correctly, doesn't that one literally say in the rules that hey, if you run out of table space? Just build, or, you know, they, it, you know it, it's such an issue in that game. They literally have to call it out in the rules, if I recall correctly. Which game is this? Uh, the one you just mentioned, um, Sorcerer City. Sorcerer City. Yeah, yeah. But they well, actually see, have to. They the thing work, about Sorcerer City is edge into the rules because it's so big. Sorcerer City gets you bonus points many times for making tiles in a row, so you are inclined to build a long in a row. And it might, if I'm sitting across from you, there's a good chance I'm going to build right into you. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that for a dollar. I I, I I feel like a, this list would be remiss if we did not talk about some ridiculous over-the-top tile-laying game. And that's a really good candidate, I would say. Hmm. Uh, um, I saw somebody mentioned, and this is kind of a no-brainer, it, it's kind of built in, Pitch Car. Sure. <laughs> pitch Car will always, has never taken up more room than I have had. <laughs> um, but it is like a gas, and it will expand to fit the table I put it on. Exactly. Um, yep. It will always 100% fill up your table, no matter what your table size is. Do you have Pitch Car? No, I've played it. I have played it at a Dice Tower event. Did I drag you into one of those? No, no, no. I, I think I was just walking by, and there was an opening. I'm like, okay, I've heard Tom talk about this for years. i got to give it a try. Were you good at it? No. Ooh, that's a good choice. Dinosaur Island. That takes up a lot of space. Oh, geez, yeah. Because each way is, there's like yeah. multiple boards in the middle of the table, a row of cards, a row of tiles, and then each player has their own player area where you build your dinosaur stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although a lot of that table hogginess is vertical. I mean, it, because it, it, as it climbs, which is actually cool. Uh... Wait, you know, you did mention Arkham. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying. I haven't played Arkham for probably eight years, but I do remember when we played it. We were still in England. We had a relatively small kitchen table. We played everything on, and that was monstrous. As I recall, it couldn't all fit on our table, and we had to set up like a side station off to the side. And that was just the base game. Putting in expansions, forget about it. That game gets insane. No, when but, I mean, you I guess expansions, it's it's hands down. One of the biggest table hogs there is. Now, of course, what about, folks, any miniature game yeah. automatically does this, and any giant war game or whatever. Yeah, I don't let's, think we're let's counting throw those. In. I, I've seen some of your yours and Melody's videos, <laughs> and that's the thing about those videos is you are seeing such a fraction of what I own. There is no <laughs> good reason for me to own the amount of terrain I have. It's really a shame, and each time I'm like, well, you know. We might build that giant castle, and then I'll be upset if I get rid of this terrain. I just need to do it. I, you know what I need to do is I need to build a really big setup, like the uh -huh. biggest setup that I would be comfortable playing on, and then get rid of the rest of the terrain. Yep. And then glue it all together. I was so just going to say, then I glue it, and then I would like, oh, how do we move this stupid thing? <laughs> I would also get no, tired of playing on the same the terrain. room, and that's it. Sorry, kids have to bunk together to make room for it. Oh, by the way, someone said Twilight Imperium, uh, but neither Tom or Rado likes it. No, Rado doesn't like it. I'll gladly play it if you find me the space and the time and everything else involved. Oh, my. Um, if you're willing to do it, Psychic Lord just pointed out Seventh Continent. See, that's interesting. I was thinking about Seventh Continent, but it grows and shrinks. When you first start Seventh Continent, you're like, we got plenty of room. Yeah. And then you're building and building and building, and you're like, oh, no. But then you go – then you do something like you cross a, a river, and they're like, pack up everything else. And you're like, okay. And your map shrinks again. So it doesn't ever get too big, does it? Uh, well, I mean it, it implicitly can't because unless you're going to play it for 12 hours straight, sooner or later you will save your game. And that's what makes it collapse. But in theory – once you're on the main island, if you said, no, we are not going to save our game or save our progress and put it away, you could systematically search that entire continent and it that would fill true. up your entire kitchen floor. Not that anybody's going to do that is the thing. 
I keep meaning to build the whole thing. But I know that would spoil me on a bit of it. But I just always yep. was curious um, to see what the whole thing is laid out. Because I know it's huge. And the fact is, even though I know where some stuff is now because I've crisscrossed them in various curses, I still don't have a grasp on the, the terrain of this whole place. <laughs> well, it feels more like real life then. And you're like, oh, I dimly recall this place. Have we been here before? I mean, that's, I, that's one That's cool definitely happened to me. That's what I really like that. Oh, man. When's Seven Citadel coming out? Is that coming out this year? I'm... I, but probably at one point it was, but these days, who knows? But I hope so. Um, I'm really, I am irrationally excited about Seventh Citadel. Yeah. I really. What about a uh, talisman? Uh, look, I already put on Tracarion. Don't make me put two bad games on my list. Whoa! What? You are down on the trick? Uh yeah, that's okay wow. though. I mean, I, I know a lot of people like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's, it's certainly cemented in the top 100 on BGG, I think, with good that reason. Is, Hans is a good. Oh, answer that's here. right. Yes, because you. I remember now. You didn't feel like you were actually performing magic acts. That it was like a whole bunch of build up to put some tiles on a card. It's not even that. I just think that that company, and for some reason, Anachrony is the, is the exception to the rule. I just feel like their games are overwrought. Too. There's mm-hmm. that. Yes. I mean, yeah, but I mean, they lean into it. That's like. That's their mission statement. We will overring these games. <laughs> that's true. I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's like a tagline you'd want. Uh, Hans has a <laughs> Hans has a good thing here. He mentioned Colonists. You ever play that one from Mayfair? Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, that's the. Uh, yeah, I love the Colonists. If you play through and... all four eras, that is yes. one mega game. Yep. 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 Let's do it. I like. Uh, one. I love that game. And yeah, I mean, by the time you're done, if you do it in one sitting, which I did do once and I will never do again, this is another game where, oh, you know what? Hey, you can kind of save your progress, uh, you know, because you can basically shut it down. Oh, no, that was a variant I made for myself, wasn't it? Yes, it was because it was so big and so long. Yeah, I love Colonists. I think it's a great game. And yeah, it definitely gets insane by the I end. actually like Colonists a little better now. I liked it, but I said I felt like it was too long for what it is. But now mm-hmm. that I played... Orleans stories, which kind of tries to do what Colonist does, I realize that Colonist wow. was a much better game. It's growing on me to the point where I'm really tempted to pull it out and play it with some people because there's a lot of good stuff in it. It's just really long. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, all right, we're way past five here, um, but here's the five oh, okay. that you you yelled the loudest about. So Middle Earth Quest, Tricarion, yeah. Sorcerer City, Pitch Car, and Colonists. I like that list. All right, that's good enough for me. Well, all we'll right. be here all day. Otherwise, we'd have to actually measure yeah, them exactly. out. No, I mean, tons of good suggestions on the chat. All righty, folks. Well, you know what that means? That gives us 27 minutes for questions. So if you have questions you'd like us to answer, here we go. All righty, well. Okay, so lots of... Cool things to talk about. We already took a look at the game that Rado is playing, and there are all kinds of cool games in the back behind him. And, ah, <laughs> uh, man, um, I I got a couple new Kickstarters in that look really cool. I got in Gilhova's, um, oh. Uh, the, uh, High Rise. High Rise. That looks pretty interesting. And then uh, the game from Pandasar is about Moonbase. It's not Moonbase. Uh, oh, what is that game called now? Well, you know, like you can tell I'm so excited about these games. I can't remember the names of the games. Um, <laughs> Godspeed. I don't know the one, but I, Godspeed. I can say it's called Godspeed. It's very sharp. Godspeed, uh, the space race is a lie, is its, is its tagline, where, you know, the, oh, yeah. you're fighting over them. It looks really cool, really great yeah. mechanisms. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. All right, here we go. All right. That was a good filler. Let's see here. I'm going back to the beginning questions. All right. Is it better to have a mat on your table or use a dice tray? Um, a mat. Or are, we, no, are they talking about like a little mat? A little mat, no. One of these, what I've got here, these full table mats, these are awesome. I love these to pieces. Um, but, you know, they ain't cheap. And, uh, and a dice tray works nice. I, the real question, they uh, are Tom, good investment, dice tray though. or dice tower? Uh, well, actually, someone asked that in just a few minutes, but I'll answer it ahead of time. And the simple answer is, for usage, almost always a dice tray. <laughs> it just, dice tray is not a very good name of a show. Um, 
Hey everybody, welcome to the Dice Tray, a podcast about people in board games. And the thing oh. is, I love dice towers. I really do. But when I play a game, I don't use a dice tower the whole time. I use it for like, oh, here's a critical roll, get out the dice tower. Or if a game's a table hog, like we just mentioned. Um, but yeah, so for dice, you, a dice tower is... is like the Black Arrow for Bard in The Hobbit. Black Arrow, you've never failed me, and I've always recovered you. Fly straight, you know that kind of a thing. Yes, uh, although there's been many times where I've it's not gone well for me. I actually, instead of mat or dice tray, I prefer the table that I have here in front of me, yeah. which I don't. I mean, you can see here. I like. I like these edges on the table. So uh, not every yeah. table can have that, obviously. That's one of those things of the nice, good tables is a Rathscour table. But that ability where the dice will never fall on the floor is amazing. I hate yep. dice falling on the floor. I do miss. I mean, I, for a brief time, I had a Geek and Sun. I, I had two different Geek and Sun tables at various times. And um, it's, it's, they're so cool. For me, the thing I like most about them is the way they kind of frame the game it's almost like it's a painting with a frame on it, 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 it the, the the world feels more it's it's hard to describe but i mean they're very very cool and yeah being able to lay things out there's a lot of upside to it and you're right uh you can feel like you're playing craps just rolling the dice as hard as you want because they'll bounce back sure without knocking out everything on the table there yeah. that there is the bowler is i think what we call the gamer type the guy who somehow manages to always <laughs> Knock over game pieces no matter what. You're like, look, how did you do that? Yep. All right. The one who turns every game into a dexterity game, basically. <laughs> True. Monica wants to know what's the worst injury you've inflicted yourself. I think she means on yourself. Um, worst injury I've inflicted on myself. All right. When I was, I must have been seven or eight, I was uh, leaning back on a railing that was about 12 feet above the ground. Just kicking back, doing whatever, lost my balance, fell over. As I was falling the 12 feet, I naturally instinctually put both hands out to stop my fall and snapped both of my wrists. And that was tough. That was bad. Do you I had, think you know, it was a bad cast. idea to do that? Hmm? Isn't that better than smashing your face? <sighs> That's a good question. At the time, I did not stop to uh, ponder... All I knew was how miserable I was for the next few months with both my arms in casts, itching 24 hours a day, and nothing I could do about it. And my hand, my hands were just basically clubs with little tiny finger sausages sticking out. It was a nightmare. And you'd think, you'd think, Tom, I would have learned my lesson, except cut to a year later, and I'm up on top of a gigantic concrete pipe piece that was in a local park, just kicking back, and fell off. And um, this time landed on my shoulder and snapped my left arm. I, uh, I was, I guess, a bit fragile growing up. I, um, I've never broken a bone, twisted wow. an ankle, nothing. So the worst thing, I guess, would be a toothache. Um, really, I had a, some teeth pulled. But that's the worst thing, and that seems very charmed, I suppose, Unfortunately, my kids have had plenty of things they've gone through. I would, <laughs> I would rather they happen to me um, sure. than that. But, yeah. All right. Who inspires you, says Josh? Who inspires me? Uh, my wife? That's yeah, a, that's, 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 that's the, the easy answer. That's the easy answer, right? My wife inspires me um, for sure. There's people... Um, it's hard to be inspired by people in history because, like, I'll look at people who I think – and so I'm not I – I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. But let's just take yeah. an example of someone who died several years ago, and that's um, Johnny uh, Carson. Okay. Right? And he worked really hard on the Today Show – or I'm sorry, the Tonight Show, you know, did everything. And then when he died, you hear all these stories about him, and they're like, you know, he really built this up. But then he also, in his personal life – had a lot of divorces and wasn't always nice to get along. And I read all that stuff and I was like, oh, man. You know, because you find out the foibles of, of humans, the, the, the little things about them. So sometimes mm. it's hard for me to say that someone inspires me like a person in, that I don't know. Like, oh, this public figure inspires me because I don't know that maybe they're not that great of a person behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a celebrity. I'm not going to mention who it is. A current celebrity who I really liked. And then I started reading some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I was like, oh, man, I wish I'd never read that, right? <laughs> um, so it's easier to be inspired by people that I know. 
Sure, sure, sure. You know, family, friends. Like yeah. my, my dad. My dad has a hard work ethic. But if, if I take family out of it. Yeah, just to do a shout out to my uncle Jim, who definitely inspired me growing up because he was this big mountain of a man, um, but he was always unflappable in the face of anything. He was always chill and laid back. And I do remember as a young child thinking, I want to be like that. That is who I want to be. Unflappable? So, You're unflappable? Well, no, I'm not saying I succeed in any way, shape, or form, but he was definitely an inspiration for me. The, you know, he was always oh. good-natured. You know, nothing ever got him down. He was, he was amazing. But public figures, um, the t- I, it's tough for me to say for this reason you're saying. And honestly, I think the best metric I can come up with would be, well, since you mentioned celebrity deaths, which celebrity deaths have actually affected me? And, you know, and actually made me break down and made me actually cry and make me realize, oh, my gosh, I care more about that person than I thought I did. And I can think of two, um, uh, Robin Williams and Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. When I when I learned that both of them had died, I mean, I actually had, uh, you know, a cry over it because I didn't realize until after they were gone that how much they meant to me as people. And if I talk about too much, I'll cry now. So I'm not going to. Um, but I guess. You know, you know, I mean, you know, everything they did with their lives and um, all that. I mean, I, I would, I would list both of them. I think as being inspirations for me. I'm a big fan of anybody, and this is a hard, a hard task to find. But I love, I love watching biopics. Love biopics, and I love that whole rags to riches, right? That doesn't oh. have to be rich, right? But rags to success, I guess, is the better word for it. You know, someone who had a goal in mind and wants to succeed at it. And a lot of times these biopics I find very discouraging because they found success at the cost of destroying people around them. You know, like you watch the Steve Jobs biopics and you're like, oh, man. Oh, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, So anybody in life I find who has achieved some success, again, I'm not saying they're rich or famous, but they're doing what they want to do and they maintain a family life. And it's a it's a difficult people with balance in their life. I guess those are people who inspire Mm. me. Yep. Because and you know what? I do have one more. Thank you, board game fangirl. It's kind of right here. Andrew Yang, of course, is a huge inspiration for me as a person, as a politician. Uh, yeah, uh, it's still so new, and it's just so obvious what he stands for and what he pushes for and what he continues to strive to do. So yeah, that's totally. I mean, I literally wear his merch almost every day of my life in my videos. He uh, inspires me so much. So there, I totally have to throw that. I can't believe I just got so caught up in the death thing. Um. Alrighty, so well, let's move away from that then a little bit. Okay, uh, the yeah, death thing anyway. All right, have you, Tom? Have you stopped doing unboxing videos? Nope. You can find them on Dice Tower Unboxings. That's a new channel we did just because they were filling up this channel. Which of oh, you well, decide? You pretty much stopped them, right? You hand them off to I think Mike now for the most part, right? I do them occasionally. If you go watch a channel, sometimes a game will come in. I'm like, Mike, I'm I'm recording this unboxing because I need to see what's in this game now, and I'm not waiting yeah. for you. Um, yeah, I, I know um, one of the shows of yours I always watch was uh, Most Boring Unboxing Video, your compilation ones, and I would rage watch them because why does he have a copy of that and I don't? Oh, Every single time. Yeah, there's two in there. And somehow, the problem, even no, back no, in the States, you always get them a week before I do. How is I, that, Tom? I don't know. Maybe it's the – well, you, you beat me. I don't think you realize how many games you get before me. You're just looking That's at the true, Kickstarter yes. versions. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, those most boring unboxing in the world, actually, folks, the reason they're not down right now is because now I'm getting an average of one box every two days, while when those came, I'd get three or four boxes every day consistently. Yeah, yeah one Which box was, every two days is insane for a regular person, but for you, I it's know, a I know, I know. tied up freak bed. <laughs> I'm like, what? Which of you decide we should both wear blue today? It just worked out that way. This, oh. Blue's a dice tower color anyway. But yep. Rod already explained why. Um, let's see. Um, are there any games you wish made a bigger impact on the hobby as a whole? If so, which? Ooh. Okay, well, I would like to say... I'll say a group of games here, briefly. I'll say Space Base mm. slash Santa Monica... Slash whatever you know, um, Machi Koro. Not not Machi Koro, because um, that that's uh, Pandasaurus. Oh, oh no, you're talking AEG. But I'm stuff? talking about AEG games. In the past two years, I've been really excited how they decided to stop just shooting everything out and make a wow. few games, put huge amounts of work into each game, and 
I wish that had a bigger impact on the hobby because so many other publishers were just shooting everything at the wall. Now, incidentally, yeah. what's going on right now, the quarantines, that, that may pause that yeah, for a while. The same result, basically. The publishers are realizing, well, we, we have to adopt a different model. Right, so so having a, a fewer, better game. Again, I'm not saying that I want there to be fewer games in or whatever. I don't care if there's a million games, I guess. But yeah. it's obvious many times I'll play a game from a publisher and I'm like, yeah, you published that. You knew it wasn't that good and you published it anyway. You know, like, we know that we, uh, this is an okay game and you kind of just published it. And that happens more often than I would like. And AEG made a conscious effort to turn from that. And I appreciate that. But that's, that's not a specific game that made a big impact. It's a it's a good call though. Just in general, it's a it's a pro publishing philosophy, and you're right. It has certainly paid dividends for them. Uh, instead of putting out 15 games a year, you know, put out four or five and make them sing like Tiny Towns or what have you. Tiny Towns, you got to throw that one. Right, up. right. That game's amazing. And, well, he actually he's been very. Uh, John Zinzer, the company head, has been writing a blog, and he's been very open about this. And he said, it's not working. It's not making them a ton of money, like you know. It's. I, I think you said it was just barely. It might be just under how much they make if they had been putting out a ton, but because they have fewer product lines, it's more satisfying to them to make these games. And oh, also, yeah. if someone said, "I'm going to buy a game from a company unseen," there's very few companies I would say. If they just told me the company and didn't know anything else about the game, there's very few companies I would say do that. Taking out small companies like Ryan Lockett. Red Raven, oh, you sure, know, sure. but yeah, like, but the um, bigger games, you know, that, that days of wonder mentality, yes, you get days of- one game from us a year, but you know, all of our love is going to go into that game. Right. And yeah. so I, and I, and I love that, that, that push. Um, yeah. so I understand. I mean, that's a scary thing uh, as a publisher. Like, oh yeah, we'll give them only one game a year. And then if it flops, we're out of business. You know, I mean, although these days that's what Kickstarter is for, you know, Kickstarter can really, eliminate a lot of that uncertainty and i'm always surprised more publishers don't use it quite frankly it's one just of the problems with kickstarter though sense. for that and i and i agree it's good business sense but if a publisher makes the game and they they raise whatever amount of money for it and then they publish it if there's any kind of delays or anything that costs a little bit more money and if they don't have a nest egg that's problematic so then they'll yeah. start another kickstarter and that could be problematic sure sure, sure. it can become a yeah um, robbing Peter to pay Paul kind of situation. Sure, definitely. and I think we're definitely sure, seeing and, that with some companies. Yeah. And Days of Wonder could afford to have done that because they always had that big ticket to ride. Um, <laughs> That's true. Well, well they also mechanism? they had their automatic resource growth locked in. They also came in with a nice nest egg when they started the company. The oh. uh, founder Eric Hardeman he w- he ran a a, a a software company before that, so he had. Oh, I didn't know. That cash coming in, and they raised some money too, um, to okay. get the company off the ground. And they they went into it, and they said, "What is?" They looked at the hobby. They said, "What does this hobby need?" And they they made a name for themselves. Now, Days oh, yeah. of Wonder is not the name it once was, um, but still uh, something that people talk about. Yeah, I think that was a good suggestion. The one that popped into my head, and it was one I was so sad I couldn't put on our top ten most influential games of the last decade, is this War of Mine. For a bunch of reasons. I mean, I, I love the uh, you know the unflinching look. While, you know, being able to create an entertaining game while still being a and um, you know an enlightening game, an inspiring game. Um, also, uh, a game that just so brilliantly captures the essence of a video game that it comes from. I think that's amazing, and certainly uh, more Sonic the Hedgehog developers could take a few notes from. But all that aside. <laughs> I would, Oh, Rado throwing shade. That doesn't normally happen. <laughs> um, but uh, those things aside, the most impressive thing about that game, and it was it was ultimately, I think people would agree, it was a failed experiment, but their approach for how they did their rules in that game, where, hey, just read the rule book as you go. If, once you have read the entire rule book, you have finished the first round of the game, and now you can go back and just keep using the rule book as a player aid. And don't worry about any of that stuff. All the little insequential, non-important, you know, bitty bits. We have a separate book for that if you need to go look things up. I thought that was a brilliant way to well, if present. Well, that's the case, a- then can't, mustn't you say Fog of Love, too? Yes, yes. And th- another game did it years ago, um, Legends of Andor. Those are There's three games 
And I guess Aeon's End does it to a certain extent as well. They also try to package this way. This idea that the game will teach you how to play it as you go um, is so important for the future of this hobby, for us to ever grow significantly towards the success of video games. We have to come up with a different way for people to learn how to play. And I thought this war of mine, again, it was... You know, it made some mistakes, but I wish more publishers say, wow, there's really something there. Let's learn from that and find a way to apply this to our next big heavy Euro game, you know, kind of a thing. All right. Rod, Sorry, are you... the Sonic the Hedgehog games are, are lovely if you like that kind of thing. They're not. Um, are you oh. excited about designing a scenario for Frosthaven, Rado? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, if excitement comes in the form of fear, yes, I, 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 I'm afraid. I'm terrified of this. I don't know why I said yes when um, he asked me. I mean, I, I think my gut response is, oh, that'll be really cool. But then I see the list of people he's gotten online. I'm competing with Vladl Shavad- Shavadl to de- on a design challenge. Well, you can't, you, can't, you can't lose on that, I guess. All right. <laughs> Are you excited for the new Civilization Six pass? Indeed I am. They just announced that, I think, yesterday. Uh, there's a new pass where you'll get Every two months, new downloadable content for Civilization VI. Oh, so it's like a subscription? Yeah, well, no. I think you pay once for it, and then you just get it every two months. Forever? Well, until they stop doing it. Uh, These season passes usually last for a certain amount of time. Oh, okay, okay. You can can go back in at the end of it and pay and get all of it. So it's kind of like you're getting a game and getting pieces. So they're just adding some new civs and new things each every two months. I've done this with other games. Uh, I'm almost always satisfied whenever I get a season pass for a game. Mm. It just means you get the expansion a few pieces at a time, which I'm happy with because that means I just play with the new stuff. Oh, new and more. You just have a little bit at a time. It's the very opposite of the, uh, it's very opposite of that Kickstarter showing up and you're like, what do I start (laughs) when? Yeah. All right. Root beer or cream soda? Root beer, easily. A&W root beer, or more importantly, an A&W root beer float or a root beer shake, although they stopped doing that. I was so bummed. I've, I've been missing them for so many years. I finally moved back to America. I can have A&W root beer shakes all the time, and they discontinued them, Tom. You could just make it yourself. Buy a can of A&W root beer and some ice cream. Come on, That now. ain't right. That ain't right. <laughs> I, I like root beer a lot. It is my second favorite soda. My favorite is cream. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, uh, specifically, I like red cream soda, or if you can find orange cream or blue, I just like cream sodas because they're, they're kind of like milkshakes to me a little bit. Um, I very rarely drink soda though. So yeah, I'm trying to think when the last time I had a soda was. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I, I just talked about root beer, but I had to cut my root beer with ice cream basically to make it palatable in the form of a shake or a root beer float. Yeah. You know what? I love soda with ice cream for that same reason. I like that combo. All right. Um, well, this is, this is my channel, so this question people may not know. Um, Kyber right. says, Rado, I know you generally don't like direct conflict games. Is that mostly because you don't want to play those type of games with your wife, or you just don't like those kind of games, period? Um, I do not, I, I, I derive no pleasure from inflicting issues on other players, or by, for, um, being the one who knocks to uh, borrow from Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, every knocks. time I put a, a game puts me in a situation where, okay, well, I've got all these cool things I can do, or, or, oh, I could destroy your thing, and that will completely ruin your engine. Um, it, it pains me. It physically pains me to do that. I think I talked about um, the time. Uh, what were we playing? Oh, that stock market game, Stockpile. And I had very cleverly seeded a particular stockpile. And and I kind of, I admit, I got caught up in the moment. And I was actually bidding on it to make it look attractive. And then somebody else went for it. And then I'm like, oh, my God, what have I done? When Angela sees what's in there and, and, and her face just fell just ever so slightly because she had that British reserve. And I'm like, oh, I can never play this game again. <laughs> just because it, it ripped me up inside to realize what I had done. I, I, I just cannot... Enjoy, and I know, I know, it's just a game, and everybody will say, "No, bring it on! I want a good game." But I, I, I just did. What's that Briggs Myers test? I just did one last night. Apparently, oh, I did, I did a, too because I saw you did it. Oh yeah, 
Uh, I'm a defender, apparently, is what I come up with. I missed uh, that thing. Is that how did you get that that last part? Um, if you go on that thread you're talking about, Board Game Geek, there was a link um, on the very, very first post. And so I did that particular test, and it gave you the slash A slash F extra level of, of uh, completeness. It was actually a bit, it was, it was probably the most thorough Myers-Briggs test page I'd ever seen. It, I really spent quite a bit of time reading after I was done. And, um, but yeah, it's just, I always play cleric because I want to help people. I do not want to be something that um, stifles somebody. I just cannot enjoy that. It's just, took, it's just woven into my core. So you were an INFJ, is that correct? Or an INFS? An INFJ, yes, because I had the judge. Although I was literally, I was at 55 on that. So I could have gone either way on, on the J. This is really interesting because I took the test because I saw you did it. So I was like, oh, I'll do it too. <laughs> um, I got an ENFJ with the exact same thing you just said with of the course. J almost like it could have gone either way. In fact, my yeah. N could have gone either way too. The E wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, F was not was pretty high up too. But it, uh, this that's apparently called the protagonist. So you could be my backup anytime, Rada. <laughs> All right, you can be the lead protagonist and I will be your defender. You can be the warrior, I'll be the cleric. That's cool. And we'll both be happy. What's your favorite dice to roll? D4, D6, D8, etc. Of dice types. Hmm. Well, obviously everybody's least favorite is those D4s. Yeah, no one likes rolling them. <laughs> no. Um you know what? I think I, honestly, it's it's a bit vanilla. I like a good D six. I I I like. A Do you cube. like rounded corners or the sharp corners? Sharp corners are so rare. It's almost like it's kind of a special thing. Technically, it's they roll better. They roll better. Oh I really? Think. Do they? Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that's standard for casinos, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I would actually say uh, a sharp corner D six because it's so rare and because I. I you know, the more sides you get, the the more it is a genuine roll, and it makes less noise. It it doesn't feel like it's much of a reflection of me. Oh, I just kind of tapped it, and it just rolls off, and it peters out, and uh, as opposed to there's something you know chunky and solid. And that whole moment, I don't have any dice in front of me where it's it's right on the edge, and will it? Which way will it? Honk. You know, you'll never get that with a D twenty. A D twenty is very anemic. That's the case, but I I like D twelves. They're my favorites, and that's why. I'm, Which I'm one is that? A, is that like the double top? It's the icosahedron. It looks like a hex. It uh, uh, has like a pentagon on every side. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, that's, that's like a chunky D20. It's closest to the ball of other than a yeah, D20. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. In fact, I'm getting a pile of double six dice for that reason. I like rolling those oh. as six-sided <laughs> dice. Just one through six twice. Can you articulate why you prefer them? Yeah, it feels good to roll it in my hand. I actually feel it roll. Dice. Oh, the, the, the yeah, D they're almost like ball bearings rolling around yeah, your hand. That's a good a D6, you can roll those a little bit, but sometimes they just don't turn over enough for me, which is mm. why I use a dice tower sometimes. But Yeah. Have All you right, played? Yeah, that's a good argument. And, I, and I, well, I just played Rolled West again the other day, which came with D12s. And, and you're right. Those were very nice. Very nice. Have you played Villainous? No, I have not. Villainous just makes me so sad. So For sad. that same exact reason. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and, I mean, putting aside the fact that I'm a Care Bear and I do not want to spend all my time, oh, well, how can I poison your water hole? Um, I, that game obviously was poised to be such a monstrous, huge breakthrough hit. And because of that, why is it not a cooperative game? So that, I mean, it's going to sell huge regardless, but if you can introduce into the mind of so many muggles the idea that, wow, I could play a game with my kids, with my family, with my sure, friends. but there's other together. games that do that, that already. Horrified does that. Idea. Hmm? Horrified, Horrified does that. Horrified, yes. And and so I, I would definitely much rather play Horrified, and I wish Villainous was applied to Horrified's um, me mechanisms. That would have been ideal. Well, folks, unfortunately, that is the end here. Um, we are out of time. Man, just tearing up all kinds of games today. What's going on here? All righty. So from us tonight, 9 p.m., another Dice Tower Daily Chat. Tomorrow, I'm going to continue my App War series. I'm going to be playing apps live, and I'm going up against Lahav. So we'll see who wins in that one. I'm excited about that. And uh, also crowd surfing tomorrow. We take a look at the 
Kickstarters. And two weeks ago, I thought Kickstarters were down. They're not right now. There's a lot yeah. out there. Um, yep, yep, yep. What do you got coming up? Um, I am never as prepared to answer this question as you, but today I can announce. <laughs> I ask Saturday. you every time. Yeah, I know. You'd think I'd, I'd catch on. I'm nowhere near as organized as you, quite frankly. I film. I mean, I, I filmed this. I might have filmed this next week. I filmed it yesterday. Small Islands again. Uh, Small Islands will be coming soon. But this Saturday, Jen and I will be live 10 a.m. Pacific Coast time, PST, uh, playing something. I don't know what yet. Uh, I guess that's part of my defender nature is I don't plan too much ahead. Oh, wait, no, I'm supposed to. Oh, but I was right on the edge. Uh, anyway, you can find that at live.rado.com. I have set that up so you don't have to go searching for it. Let me confirm that it's actually working. And yes, live in three days, live.rado.com this Saturday. Come watch Jen beat me at one or more games. All righty. Well, thank you folks again for watching. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. Bye-bye. Have fun gaming.